Welcome to the Gateways Beyond International Podcast, featuring inspirational teaching from our ministry bases in the nations. For more information, please visit us online at gatewaysbeyond.org. Wow, God is so good. This is a, a picture of a, of a man that we met with our team on top of a mountain called Mount uh, Entoto. We go there with our team to pray all the time, you know, every time we go into Ethiopia. And we had the privilege of meeting, he's, a, he's an ascetic monk that came to the Lord. He gave his, I don't know how that works, but he gave, long story short, he gave his life to the Lord. And we had the privilege of participating in something really, really unique. Um, if the gathering message was recorded, the whole testimony. Is it, did I share that story? I can't remember. So many stories, I can't remember what I shared, what I didn't share. Um, he's an Orthodox priest who lived up on this little hut, and we've been to this exact spot for many years. This is a, this is a place where Mr. Rudolph, my father-in-law, would go years ago before communism fell, and they had specific prayer uh, agendas to pray for, and they used to pray for the fall of communism six months after that communism fell. And to honor this legacy and the journey of God in his life, we go there with our teams and begin to pray. This time we went, we tell our students, you know, you can look over the city and prophesy. We get there, and eucalyptus trees had grown so tall that you couldn't see the city. And one of our students said, well, why are we here? We can't even see the city, you know? And I said, let's pray. We're here, you know, might as well worship and pray for a little bit. And so we did. And at the end of our prayer time, this gentleman walks down to us and I go up to him and start talking. I said, Hey, can we bless you? Can we pray for you? He said, okay. So we began to minister to him and you know, nothing. He's just looking straight at me, but I saw the kindness of God in his eyes. After we were done praying, I said, can we go up to your hut and uh, speak a blessing over your, where you live? And he took us up there and he says, I've been here for 10 years searching for God. He's an Orthodox. Now, Ethiopia is an Orthodox nation. Um, And uh, and he said, I've been here for 10 years searching for God. And when you were praying for me for the first time, I felt life flow into my, and what I'm searching, I've found. And he said, he said, I've been in this house for 10 years. Hallelujah. And I said, Every night that you have been in this house, God has seen you. And he like jumped over across his little mattress, fell in my arms and began to bawl and cry for the next like 15, 20 minutes. And we, we brought, I led him to, I'm like, is, I don't even know if this is right. He's, a, he's, a, he's an ascetic monk, you know, and I said, I want to lead you to the Lord. And we led him in a prayer to receive God for his life. We brought him to the team and we shared the testimony with the team. And, uh, and we were rejoicing together. And I asked the man, what's your name? And he says, Brahanu. Now, Brahanum in Ethiopian language means his light. And so we're like, wow, that's an amazing name, such a prophetic sign, you know. And the amazing thing is a week before we were in, in Cyprus preparing to go. And Cyprus is also an Orthodox nation. And uh, my, I was at the, at the office working and my wife called me and said, Chandi, come home. There's an Orthodox priest in our house. That morning in our school, I encouraged the second year students. I said, guys, let, we pray faithfully for the Orthodox Church for a move of God on the island. And I said, guys, I want to encourage you in your prayers, even though you may not live in Cyprus for many years. Pray and participate. There's only so so much that we can pray for things before God begins to answer. That's what I said with my mom that morning. That night, my wife says, there's an Orthodox priest in our house. And so I run home and he says, I see him full guard, black, black, black in the cross and everything. He says, my car broke down. Can you jumpstart my car? Now, you don't need to be the prophet of the nation to understand that that's a prophetic sign. I just said that morning to to encourage a student to pray for the Orthodox Church. Here's an Orthodox priest in my house asking me to jumpstart his car. I said, brother, I would love to jumpstart your car. (laughs) And uh, and later on, my wife told me that he, when he first came, he said, he came with his son. He said, our cars broke down. We said, we're just going to walk down the street. And the first house that has light in it 
I'm going to go and ask for help. Come on. A week later, we're in Ethiopia on top of a mountain. An ascetic Orthodox monk comes to salvation knowledge and he says his name is His Light. A minute later, we hear walkie-talkie sound. There's a police officer coming down to our team right after this, this gentleman got saved. A police officer comes down to our team and, uh, and, he, and he says, you know, what's, well, you know, I heard the sound of like worship and singing and from a distance. I used to be a believer when I was a young boy, but I walked away from the Lord. My parents, my family, they've been praying diligently for me for years. When I heard the sound, it opened up something so familiar in my heart. I had to come and find out what's going on. And we end up leading him back to the Lord. Come on. Thank you, Lord. And we ask him, the priest is standing right there. We ask him, brother, what's your name? And he says, Brahanu. His light. And the fear of God fell on that true story. The fear of God fell on our team. And we just gave thanks to the Lord to God. You are doing something with us and a, a part of our team. It's amazing because we were just like, you know, half an hour ago or so, we were about to leave. We're thinking, should we stay? Should we go? You know, and in our foolishness, God works. And he gives us glimpses of his genius plans for us. And it's amazing. We are amazed and privileged to partner with God in the nations. Hallelujah. And we, these kinds of stories keeps us, this is like fuel. I cannot, I cannot stop sharing testimonies like this. And there are so many uh, testimonies of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, church, for, for blessing our team to go on this trip. Wow. It's go time. <laughs> Thank you, God. Hey, turn to, turn to Second Peter. There's a word in my heart to encourage you in this season of go time, in this season of, of aligning your hearts as a church together, and even in preparation for next week. I want to drop something, a word of encouragement for you, whether you're part of the local church or you're part of the missionary uh, families that are, that are converging back here. Second Peter 1, verse 2 onwards. This is Peter writing. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It's amazing. This is, you have to understand the personality of Peter in this, in this, uh, in this greeting. This year during our school, you know, I have themes. It's very difficult for me to sit down and, and study scriptures, have like hours dedicated to the study of scriptures. What happens for me is just meditation. One verse gets inside of me and it stays there for years. I sometimes feel like a hypocrite because we tell our students, come on, daily Bible reading plan, stay on track, you know, read your, your, your passage for today, every day, we're, you know, it's listed out. I feel like a hypocrite because I'm still in like May 2007. <laughs> you, know, you, 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 you stumble on verses, I call them my stuttering verses because I'm like, you know, I can't get past it. It's so full of life and I know the power of the word of God is so that one verse revealed in our hearts is enough to set us free for the rest of our lives. One verse revealed. Scriptures are simple. It's not, you know, you don't need to have a, 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 yeah, some people get doctorates and yes, it's good. But anybody can read and understand it. It's simple, but when it comes by revelation, it's, it's profound. It's the mysteries of heaven revealed to us. So I've been thinking about one of the themes of meditation this year has been the, um, the, the greetings of Paul in all of the Paul, uh, Paul's letters. How does he greet the churches? How does he present who he is before revealing the content that's on his heart? 
And I read through and I'm studying and meditating on Paul's greetings. And then I come up to Peter. I read this passage before, but God begins to, it just began to reveal and open up some of the treasures in this passage. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In Paul's writings, there are many times he says what? Grace be given to you and peace in the knowledge of God, you know, over your lives. But Peter was always the one who had the little extra fire under him. You know, his personality was so uh, different from all of the other uh, all of the other disciples. He was always the first to speak. He was always in front of the line. He was the one, you know, they were on a boat. And um, yeah, by night, all the disciples and Jesus decides to walk on water and come to them. All the disciples said, oh, they were in fear. They said, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. But Peter felt something different. It's a ghost. He's half in fear. Jesus, is that you? If it's you, just say my name. And Jesus said, Peter. And Peter was out on the water already. He gets a lot of bad reputation for sinking. But man, I would rather walk two steps on water and die than stay in the boat. I love Peter. When they counted the disciples, there's an account. Oh, now these finally Jesus called and these are the 12 apostles, disciples of, of, of Jesus. And they said, guys, come on, gather, stand up in a line so we can get your names, your father's names. Let, get them all in order so we record it. And they like shuffle and Peter, it says, the first was Peter. There was something in his heart that was so stirred for the Lord. He had to be the first one to respond. There was another account when Jesus, after the resurrection, he comes to the shore. They're out fishing, you know, and, and, uh, and when it's revealed that that is Jesus, who was, he was like, I think, preparing to, to grill some fish. It says, Peter put on his cloak and plunged into the water. And it says, but all the other disciples came by boat all the way to the shore. I want to be like Peter. I want to be like, I want to be ridiculous. I want to be foolish. He was the one who took the sword and psh, cut off. And he had that in him, whether he was, he was good, bad, or ugly. He was always in the front doing something. <laughs> Get thee behind me, Satan. I would rather have Jesus rebuke me, addressing me as Satan. But then stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach and, re, and open up the new era of the church. Come on. There's an anointing coming to the body of Christ of Peter's anointing in our days. We're coming into a new paradigm shift for the church. I was just part of a church in in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, where two churches merged together. A Pentecostal church, Hispanic Pentecostal, as Pentecostal as you get, and an old traditional church of elderly white folk. They're merging together. Are you kidding me? We're coming to a new age of the church that we do not have language for. Hallelujah. Paul's letters, they, we're in that season of the, 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 the anointing and the call of Paul on the body. Where we're being strengthened, where we're being prepared, the, the mysteries of God being revealed. But there's an anointing of Peter coming yet again. Just like he was instrumental to stand up and preach the gospel. To start the era of the, of the, of the, of the, of the new covenant church. That anointing is going to come again for the great harvest before Yeshua returns. And I want to be a part of that Peter's anointing, that brash anointing where we don't have it all together, but we're up there in the front doing something. We do a whole bunch of things and and hope that God hits one of them. Fake it till you make it. Did I preach that in the school? (laughs) Hallelujah. 
Grace and peace be multiplied. Grace is not a fishing net that catches you when you fall. That may be an overflow effect, but grace is the enabling power of heaven that propels us to walk worthy of the call of God on our lives. This is grace. And peace, shalom, it's not just a sweet greeting, a cool greeting, shalom, y'all. It's the wholeness. It's something that's complete and comprehensive in our heart in response to God. Peace is what happens when everything is crazy on the outside. Let peace rule your hearts. And here Peter says, let grace and peace. Paul said, let it be given to you. Peter says, let it be multiplied. Because there's something stirring in his heart. He says he wants our hearts to be ready to receive the content that he's stirred with. To be stirred and for that grace and peace to be multiplied in our hearts. You know, I love, I love this language of Peter. Paul was an, un- I love Paul. He was an unfortunate preacher though, you know. There's a story when he was preaching all the way into, uh, through midnight. And there was a dude sitting on a windowsill. It was so boring that he fell asleep, fell down and died. Not good for itinerant ministry. <laughs> Testimony. But thank God for the power of God that he could go and resurrect him. Hallelujah. And thank God that Paul was an anointed writer. (laughs) But Peter had that anointing of a preacher. And you can hear it in the language. Let this grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let's read on in verse 3. Why? Because his divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Say with me, all things. God's provision for our lives is not a little bit here, a little bit there, Monday, Wednesday, Friday plan. It is all things. That he's provided for us. And it's not, not even resources of the earth. He says his divine, that which is out of abnormal, unusual power is available to us. For church life. For fellowship. No, that's part of it. For what? Life and godliness. Godliness. Is what? Is everything that we have in our faith life, church life, fellowship, and the things I mentioned, you know, home groups and Bible studies, our own devotions, everything to do with that arena of our faith walk with the Lord. And life is life, normal life. I have a normal life. We have kids, we have, I'm on diaper duty. That's very normal. Ain't nothing spiritual about that. Uh uh-uh. uh. Going to the groceries, making fall, you know, cleaning the house. Normal life. You know, we go to the grocery store, we meet, or we go to the bank teller, we meet, we interact with people who don't know the, our normal life. He says, he has made provision not just for spiritual life, for both our life, normal lives, and godliness. He wants to invade every arena of our life expression. Without fail, without leaving anything behind, no cracks in the kingdom. Life and godliness he has provided from eternity divine power for us. Why? Let's read on in verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature of God. He is intending for us that we are set up and have provision from heaven, divine power being revealed for our lives in order that we not only experience God in our communities, but that we begin to participate with him. 
Be partakers of a divine nature that is out of this world. It does not work according to the systems and the, and the thought process of this world. It's unusual. You know, that it says the word of God is what for us. It's a lamp to our feet. This is the revelation of God. If you're asking the Lord for the vision for your lives, he'll give us vision, but then he'll reveal what? Just our feet. The word of God, his will, his ways are revealed right in front of us. It takes faith without seeing what is ahead. Begin to step into it. That becomes a light to our path. And he wants us to participate in his nature on the earth, step by step, walking in a way of faith that pleases the Lord in every arena of our lives. One of the other themes for me this year in our school was thinking about um, the miracles of Jesus. Not just the miracles, what he did, but what he was thinking before he did the miracles. The nature of Christ in the miracles, it's like a, th- a theme of thought for me. So as I, as I stumbled on this passage about participating in the nature of God, I began to re- rehearse all of the miracles and I only got to the first one. What's the first miracle that Jesus did? Water into wine. It's really endearing for us because we're producing wine in our community in, in Cyprus. And um, so this, I began to think about this and God just, whew, I love it. Right, that reading plan, that study plan. So here's a story where the first miracle of Jesus on the earth. He is at this wedding and they run out of wine halfway through or in the beginning or, you know, before the wedding party is done. I love that party. So just testing where you guys are at. The the wine is done and Mary, a very Jewish mama, comes up to Jesus. She says, Yeshua, we are out of wine. And his response is what? Very Jewish. I want to have a Jewish, Jewish, you know, Sabra read this in English so I can have like an accent to it. I want to hear it. I want to hear the, uh, the culture behind it. He says to her, woman. What has your concern to do with me? Do you not know that it's not my time? And he rebukes her. For the first time, Mary Miriam was approaching Jesus, not as her son. For the very first time, she knew who he was. The promise of who he was, was in her. It was birthed out of her. And she carried the fulfillment of who he was all those days. And she came to this point and said, oh, Jesus, we need wine. She was tapping into something. Jesus, being very Jewish, was not responding to her as his mom. If he responded to her as his mom, he'd be in big trouble. God or not not God, you don't mess with a Jewish mama. But she, for the very first time, was tapping into this divine nature of who Jesus was. She was not addressing him as her son. She was tapping into the promise that she had been carrying all these years. We have been given such promises that we have provision to enter into the divine nature of who God is. He rebuked her 
and said, it's not my time. When we step into the nature and tap into the nature of who God is in our lives, even the timing of God has to yield. Take that to your seminary. Bible Belt. When we tap into the nature, the divine nature of God, Jesus is thinking, remember I'm thinking about what he's thinking about. He's thinking, this is the very reason that I'm here, that somebody would tap into the nature of who I am, and that was her full potential as a human being. He says, everything else becomes secondary. The very next thing, after rebuking her, he goes, what does she do? She goes over and says, she knows, she knows. She goes over to the disciples saying, why? Do whatever he tells you. (laughs) Just got rebuked by God. (laughs) Rebellion. And he says, after rebuking her, he says, what? Bring me the vessels. Bring me all the vessels. And he begins to perform his first miracle. Jesus' ministry, miracles on the earth. His ministry was revealed for the first time out of order, out of the timing of God. Because one person stepped into and began to participate in the divine nature of God. Come on. This is what he's calling us to. Participate, not his experience. All the disciples experienced the divine nature that day. She was the one person that participated. This is saying the woman with the issue of blood. That's what she did. She knew. If only I can touch, I'll be healed. I want to live in such a way and posture my life in such a way that I am participating in the divine nature. I'm going to fake it till I touch his nature. I'm going to press until I participate with him. And the glory of God is revealed through my life. Hallelujah. This has been his desire from the very beginning. From the very beginning. This is like the overall who we are as believers. That God, that we have the opportunity to participate in who he is on the earth. From the beginning, he made Adam to be what? Like him. Didn't he make Adam in his image? All the creatures, everything he made all around, but this one person, this one being, he formed it in his image. His very form and fashion. He breathed his breath into him and made him come alive. His very nature was in Adam. Up till that time, it was God who was, who was, who was uh, performing miracles all around, creating things and animals and trees and birds and plants and heavens and the earth. But when Adam was created in his nature, he says, what, Adam, now you Begin to name these animals. Tell the lion what the lion should be like. You go up to the tiger and tell name him and tell him what his nature should be like. Adam, he gave provision for Adam. Not just to look like his image, but to be in his nature on the earth. He said, I'll give you dominion over everything. The fish, the birds, the sky, the air, everything. You have dominion. And then here comes Satan in the story. What does he do? God said, what? Everything you can eat of in the garden. But if you eat of this one tree, what happens? You will die. That's what God said. The devil comes, Satan comes to him. Has he really said that? You know, this one, yeah. Hey, hey, what's, what did he tell him? If you eat of this, this tree, what did he say? 
you will be like him. God just said, if you eat of this tree, you will die. Satan says, oh, you know, if you eat of this tree, you will be like him. Oh my God. That was the very thing that was on offer for Adam from God from the beginning. He was made in his image. He was created in his, with his nature. He was given all authority on the earth. He was already in the image of God. And the devil distorts and, and, and turns God's word over, over their lives and says what? If you eat of this, you'll be like him. But they were already like him. They were already in his nature. They were, they were two notches short of being God himself. And here we are as a company restoring this identity as believers, as a church, as missionaries. We are on in the forefront saying, God, we want to walk restoring this nature that we had in you on this earth again. Thank you, Lord. It's this nature like Mary had the power to release the call of God, the destiny of Jesus on the earth. She released him into his destiny. She was the one, a human being stepping into that nature, released the work of Jesus on the earth. There's going to be a company, there's going to be the bride of Christ with the anointing of Peter to begin to work, walk and move, step out in the water, do ridiculous things for the Lord. This is the preparation of the bride. This is how the bride prepares herself. Not by fixing her stuff. It's like Matrix. Hang on, Jesus. Fix that wrinkle. Take care of that spot. No, when we position ourselves in the front, looking at his glorious ways and his nature, the wrinkles come off all on their own. The wrinkles relax all on... Come on! The nature of God revealed in us takes care of that. Full laundry system comes with it. This posture is what will bring bring Christ. Mary revealed Christ's ministry on the earth. This position of the bride, this is why God says what? Nobody knows the hour or the time. Nobody knows that time when he will come back. Why? Because it is not a set time that we're going to. It is a position that we're standing and we're drawing his return closer to us. As a byline for our ministry, this is what it says. Help to help hasten his soon return. It's not the timing that we're going towards. Today's theme is where we go. Right here. It's not going towards him, but positioning ourselves in the nature of God as a community, as a body, as a local body, in order that his return is hastened toward us. This is where we're going. There's not an hour and a time, but there's a positioning of the bride. Walking in the revelation of the nature of God in us. Out of time, God's will doesn't matter because this is what he's waiting for. Is that amazing that we get to define when he comes back? Wow. Turn to Isaiah 55. In Isaiah 55, there's this glory, it's a glorious passage. We know the, from being in the renewal movement, we know the, the, the invitation in, in the beginning. Ho! 
Everyone who thirsts, if you have no money, if you're lacking, whatever your situation is, the invitation is to come to him. We read on in verse 8 onwards, it says what? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as, for as high as the heavens are high, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than yours. I've heard this passage misinterpreted so many times. I read this and I'm like, uh-uh, it doesn't sit right with me. I don't agree with that. Mm-mm. This is saying, God is saying, nah, 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 I'm so high. You want to know how high I am and how different I am from you? As high as the heavens are from the earth, that's how much greater that I am from you. That's not the nature of my God. That's who he is, but that's not his nature towards us. Often I hear, brother, when nothing's working out, brother, it's okay. God's ways are so higher than our ways. His, his nature is so different. It's okay. Don't worry about it. God will take care of it. Ah! If you read on in this passage, the very next word says, For as the rain comes down, and this, we're in the season, last couple of days of rain and thunder, rain and earthquakes. It says what? For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there and water the earth and make it bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, and it shall not return void. It will accomplish everything that I sent it out to do. God intends for his nature to be so different from what we see on the earth. But he also intends for us to walk in the revelation of who he is in our lives. So that what? That which is different. Like rain, it may fall. Not just around us to experience. That it may fall in every area of our lives. Begin to produce, produce, produce the fruit of God and the intent of God's heart. In us and all around us. Just like rain and snow. You can't go out in the rain and try to dance in the rain. Just skip it. Watch me. I'm going to go in the rain and not get wet. Ready? You can't. This is his promise. Even as we're in a couple of days of rain, God says he wants his divine nature to be revealed in you. Here's what happens out of this place. Out of walking and revealing the nature of God in us, here's what happens. Now verse 12, we read on, For you shall now go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And the trees of the fields shall clap their hands. And this goes on and on and on. These are the people who did not even have money to buy milk. Hey! Missionaries! Come on! God is intending us for all of us to walk in such a way. Whether we have it or not. Whether we have resources on the earth or from heaven. We feel God, we're just so dry. God says, stand up and let my nature be revealed in you. Let my word and my thoughts be revealed in your life. It's not ordinary, it's out of the ordinary. When we position ourselves in such a way, then we go. And what happens when we go? When we go... Not, we don't just do stuff. The things around us begins to act weird. <laughs> Mountains begin to... <laughs> Trees. Come on! We are meant to walk in such a way that the environment responds to the nature of God revealed inside of us. <laughs> Glory! I want to be a part of this company. 
I want to position my life, my family. We're given to this. No matter what the cost, we'll walk in such a way that God, your glory, even if it's a few days of our lives, may be revealed in us. Maybe our whole lives may not be recorded in heaven, but I want like a day, a moment that we, we participated with him to be recorded. And we want to position our lives to have that. Come on. He wants all of him. Remember, all things have been provided for us, right? All things pertaining to life and godliness, every area of our lives. All, th- all of him for all of me. There's so many teasers in the Bible. The kingdom of God, well, that's where we ask to God, your kingdom in our lives. What is the kingdom? The greatest revelation of the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, peace, and? In what? That's a teaser right there. Joy, why is joy the only one who gets special treatment? Joy in the Holy Ghost. This is the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. Nobody? Come on, Ron Canoli fans. I know you're out there somewhere. Come on. <laughs> Don't you want to be a part of his kingdom? That, yeah. He's talking about himself. This is the kingdom of God. What? Not a character trait or not how you walk. No, it's him. All of him for all of us. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Who do you think? What do you think the other two things are? Righteousness is God himself. Lord God, our righteousness. This is how he was defined in the first covenant. God, our righteousness. Peace, star shalom, the prince of peace. It's Jesus, the father, the son, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom of God. The measure of God for us is all things have been provided for us in his kingdom. It's not part of him. It's all of him working in our lives. His divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Turn with me to Romans 8.28. Hallelujah. This is why we can confidently, because this measure of God is, is dealt to our lives. All things is his measure. Not a little bit here, not a little bit there. He wants all things, the power of God revealed to us, that all things of heaven are made available for life and godliness, every facet of our lives. Romans 8.28, this is why it says, now we know that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. This is not another prayer that you pray when everything is going wrong. You say, brother, all things work together. It's okay. I know we don't see it right now, you know. But trust me, all things work together in his... No! It's a confidence of heaven that we stand and say, all things work together for good for my life because I... Love him, and I'm called according. This is the confidence of heaven, not a pat on your back. Keep reading to 8.32. He did not spare, Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for his hall. How shall he not freely with him also give us, what? All things. The provision for heaven over our lives is not because God just loves us and He's having a good day. Because He gave His only Son for us. If He didn't hold back His Son, how much will He also freely with Him give us all things? Our provision comes from the glorious expression of Jesus on the cross. This is why, read on. In verse 37. Yet in all things, 
We are more than conquerors. This is our confidence. This is our confidence, not because it's a nice verse. There's, 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 a, there's a backup plan. That all of eternity, all of heaven backs us up because this is his intended measure for us. That in all these things, we are more than conquerors in him. Hallelujah. It says, the Spirit searches all things. 1 Corinthians 2.10. The Spirit searches all things, the measure of God. He searches all things and then qualifies it. Yes, the deep things of God. The all things that's given to us from God as a measure of his work in our lives is the depths of who he is. All things have been given to us to perform his will in our lives. And this is what? The deep things of God. Now, when God comes to us saying, this is my measure for you, church, this is my measure. This is how I define my will in your lives. So I provided all things for you. The response, turn to Philippians. From Paul's life, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Now, this is Paul, a human, responding back to the Lord out of the walk that he walked with him. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost. When he comes to us saying, my provision for you is all things, our response should be this verse right here. God, I considered all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of who you are. No better, t- better time than right now to make that, a ch- that as a statement that defines your life, that you've counted all things as loss, that you may have the glorious nature, the excellence of who he is revealed in you. I've counted them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. <laughs> and if you read on in verse chapter 4 of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. When this is our response, God, I've considered all things lost, that I may gain Christ. Philippians 4, 13 says what? Now I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. (laughs) This is our confidence. Because we're living in a way, and the blessings of God are good. I'm not saying the things that God's given us, but in the light of who he is, everything must appear as rubbish. Everything. And in this place, we can say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is a measure of God for us. This is a posture that we have in response to who God is. This is why in this season of, of, you know, go, going, why, where, who, who we go. I heard about that. (laughs) It's about that position where the confidence of heaven surrounds us and we are propelled, we are compelled by the love of Christ to go. Because all of heaven is surrounding us. And we can say, I can do all things. It's ridiculous. Faith, living in faith is ridiculous. You have faith statements, but your knees are going like this. It never changes. never changes. Fellowship of the knees. But you're like declaring the promises of God and, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because you know it's not, it's not resident. It's not in anything that we, a, a good prayer. It is in the, in, the, in the provision of heaven over our lives. And that that's fulfilled. Thank you, Lord. When the all things measure of God's provision is given to us, his love is perfected in us. 
Because his love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. When we have this measure working in us from God to us and from us back to God, it says, now his love never fails. We know that God's love never fails. We know the positional place of our salvation knowledge, right? Positionally, we are perfect. I am tired of that gospel. I want not just the position to be perfect. I want my walk to be perfect. Hey! If it's only my position that's perfect, and this, I've heard, just last week I was listening to a message, position we're perfect, but I'm not there yet. Yes, but the confidence is, God, I'm walking uprightly before you. And I want heaven to be revealed in me. That when, I rev- when your nature is revealed in this vessel, that the trees of the field begin to change. The, the mountains begin to move and begin to dance and clap and sing. Because you are performing your work in me and through me. Wow, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that. Thank you, Lord. Father, we position ourselves. As a church, we position ourselves as a community. We position ourselves as families, God, to receive. Hallelujah. If this word is stirring in your heart for you, for your family, stand up. I want to release a prayer over you. If this is what our desire is, God, we say, come. Come, God. We don't want to live in the same way, but we want to be like Mary was. When she tapped into that which is eternal, even out of timing. Because that was on her heart. We want to be a company. We want to be a people. We want to be a church and a community that's positioned with the anointing of Peter, revealing the nature of Christ and saying, even so, Lord, come, come on. And we hasten his return toward us. And we have a part to play in that. Thank you, God. Father, I bless this community with a measure of faith that's unusual. A measure of faith that's unusual. A measure of faith that's unusual. That you're happy with just two steps in the water. You know you're going to die. But you're happy with those two steps. God, we are positioning ourselves for ridiculous response to your call over our lives. I bless you. I bless you. I bless the stirring of God. That this grace that enables us and the shalom of God over your lives to be multiplied, to be accelerated in your hearts, that God can prepare to perform his wonders through your lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.